1: We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character. Ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence.
0: To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government.
1: The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It's Shh, <laughs>
0: Welcome to the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you for joining us this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening. As we broadcast around the world on the Fringe FM, Talk Stream Live, the Paranormal Radio app, and other platforms. If you're listening in the Secret Teachings Archive on the website, the free archive, or the advertisement free archive, We welcome you to the show as well. We are broadcasting from the beautiful state of Arizona here in the American Southwest. And if you'd like to contact us tonight, you can email the show at rdgable at yahoo.com. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings and also on Gab. That's G-A-B and Gitter, G-E-T-T-R. Those are the only other social media sites that we utilize, Gab and Gitter other than Facebook. If you'd like to support the show, you can grab a copy of one of my books on the website. I've got three of them, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. These are really big books, jam-packed with information. When you buy a book, it is one of the best ways to financially support the show. You can also subscribe to the advertisement-free archive to get access to the shows, the montages, and digital copies of my books. You can help us out by sponsoring our sponsors. Check out Pro 1 Water Filters. Grab a water filter. It'll save you a lot of money in the end if you're buying bottled water. Pro 1 Water Filters on our website at thesecretteachings.info and, of course, Patreon. You can become a patron today, and when you do that, you'll get access to behind-the-scenes content and more. Just go over to Patreon or our website and click on the patron button at the top of the page. Again, that is www.thesecretteachings.info. Well, I was able to get my, my speakers up and running again, and uh, the board is functioning tonight. Hopefully, we'll be back to doing more interactive and live shows once I get this technical problem figured out. If you listen to last night's show, during the show we had technical errors. I wasn't allowed to post anything to Facebook. I had errors on my computer. My iMac speakers went out. This has been an ongoing thing now for over a week. Couldn't really help but think it's anything but a targeted form of digital harassment. And I know that's a popular and fun thing to talk about today because everybody's under digital harassment. Everybody's under attack. Everybody's a targeted individual. I don't like talking about that kind of thing because it makes me sound nuts. Not because I don't think that it's real. I've experienced it just because I don't like sounding like everybody else. I like doing things completely different. I like swimming against the stream, even if that stream is moving in the opposite direction or a parallel opposite direction to whatever the status quo, whatever the, the mainstream, mainline narrative is. I don't like to, to focus on talking points. I, I notice this a lot. I mean, I met a guy who listens to InfoWars, and he told me in conversation all that I needed to know about most people that listen to InfoWars, and I'm one of them. I just don't regurgitate talking points from Alex Jones. And this guy did. All he did was regurgitate literally talking points from Alex. And I ran into another guy. I was listening to this guy talk in line at the post office the other day. And he was regurgitating talking points from CNN. And I stood there. And I thought about the other guy I met from. who listened to InfoWars. And I just thought. It doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter if it's CNN. It doesn't matter if it's Fox News. It doesn't matter if it's InfoWars. It doesn't matter if it's Joe Rogan. It doesn't matter where you hear it. Whatever information you're listening to, wherever you hear it, people just regurgitate. They vomit talking points. Remember how quickly mass formation psychosis came? Everybody suddenly knew about it because Robert Malone mentioned it on Joe Rogan and now everybody has just as rapidly Forgot about it. I mean, we focus so much of our attention on what is the hashtag? What are we going to post this at? What are we tweeting? What are we sending a message out to our audience about today? Whatever's the top story? Whatever's the big story to get those clicks, to get that attention? And that's not how I roll. That's not how I operate. That's something that really, really concerns me. If you think about that, you start listening. Listen to the way that your friends and your family, listen to the way that people out in public talk. You'll start noticing they're, they're literally just regurgitating talking points. I mean, remember when COVID-19 vaccines were in one of their third or fourth or fifth months of, of distribution and people started con, you know testing positive again, even though they'd had a vaccine. And rather than questioning the efficiency of the vaccine, or or even the safety, for that matter, for people who had, had adverse reactions and people who had died. No, the new talking point was, and I heard it in the news first, breakthrough cases, and then that became the talking point for anybody I interacted with. Everything was, well, there's a couple breakthrough cases. Don't you believe in the science? Well, don't you believe in thinking for yourself? Don't you believe in accessing information and trying to find the source of the information rather than just listening to the talking point on television, radio, podcast, wherever. And again, I don't I don't care if it's Joe Rogan, Alex Jones, George Norrie, Art Bell. It doesn't matter where the information's coming from. We just repeat it. We regurgitate it because it's easier than thinking for ourselves. And that results in Misinformation that results in what happens at the end of a game of telephone. You don't end up with accurate information. It was already inaccurate if you're repeating it, regurgitating it, because it's a talking point. But then as you continue to repeat it and regurgitate it, it either, it either dilutes it so much that it disappears, like mass formation psychosis. Nobody remembers that. That's, all, that's gone from social media. Nobody wants to talk about that now. It's something new. There's a new topic of the day. And that's just where the current goes. It takes alternative media, independent media, it takes mainstream media. I've been sitting and thinking a lot about that recently. And I don't know about you, but it bothers me. Because it means that even people who it feels, and it sounds like we can get along with, people that might have an open mind... A lot of them are still absorbed in the regurgitation and the repeating of talking points that they hear from, quote-unquote, alternative or, quote-unquote, independent sources of media. I mean, I hope nobody listens to this show and just repeats it. You need to go find the information for yourself. Let me give you an example of this. I'm sure that by now you know that Neil Young is no longer on Spotify, Neil Young's catalog, a large portion of his catalog, was purchased by a company called Hypnosis. And a lot of people said Spotify did a really great thing by not taking Joe Rogan off air and allowing him to continue to do his show. And Neil Young, who wants Neil Young? Joe Rogan's where it's at. And then a lot of people were really angry. Why didn't Spotify just cancel Joe Rogan and allow Neil Young to continue to have his music on Spotify? And once again, just like Monday's show, we talked about the Mars Corporation. It's the exact same thing. The Mars Corporation, for the M&Ms, they change the M&Ms, make them more equitable, make them more equal, make them more about cultural Marxist and social justice. Themes. And what happens? People are happy about that, and then people are angry about that. And guess who wins? The Mars Corporation. Whether you support it or you don't support it, and especially when you argue with people about it, the Mars Corporation wins. They get free advertising, free marketing. And at the end of the day, both sides end up going out and buying m and anyway. That's the same exact thing with Spotify, Joe Rogan, and Neil Young. Maybe you're mad at Spotify. Probably didn't delete your Spotify account, did you? Maybe you're happy about Spotify. You say, I'm never going to listen to Neil Young again. You know, it's the same exact thing. Spotify still wins. And why do you think Spotify made that decision anyway? Because Spotify has a $100 billion uh, contract with Joe Rogan. They don't have a $100 million contract with Neil Young. If they had a $150 million contract with Neil Young and a $100 million contract with Joe Rogan, nobody probably would have been booted off the platform. Or whichever contract was bigger, that's the one they probably would have kept. Because, yeah, it's it's about money. Lots of money. Big money. And that's the thing that bothers me, is especially the people that are anti-corporation, anti-capitalist, anti-big money, they're the ones supporting the Mars Corporation. They're, they're the ones supporting billion-dollar companies like Hypnosis and Blackstone. They're the ones supporting billionaires. <laughs> they're the ones supporting billionaire pharmaceutical corporate media uh, connections and entities. I mean, of course, mainstream media gets most of its funding from pharmaceutical companies. So of course, they're going to promote pharmaceutical drugs. That's why every other commercial's a. Uh, A psoriasis drug or a vaccine, a depression drug, an antidepressant, whatever. It's all profit-driven. And if it's not financially profit, it's psychologically profit. Profiting because the financial aspects have been subsidized. The real purpose is to sell you an ideology, an idea, a belief system. I'm not happy about Spotify or upset about it. I personally don't listen to Joe Rogan. I've listened to some shows. I don't really care one way or another. I find it to be childish. I find it to be petty on both sides. And maybe that's what sets this radio show apart from a lot of other radio shows and podcasts. It's the same reason why people like me and people dislike me. And guess what happens when you dislike me? And guess what happens when you like me? I benefit both ways. That's how it works. The only difference between me and Spotify is Spotify is a billion dollar company. I just get a few perks like people email me and tell me they enjoy the show and that makes me feel good. I put my phone down. I take a walk and I have a good day. So I'm sure that you've seen this Neil Young controversy, right? And you see these Social media posts. You see TikTok videos and Twitter publications and Facebook publications and Instagram. It's all talking about Neil Young and Blackstone and hypnosis and Pfizer. And for the people that put this together, good for them. Good for the people that found Neil Young selling to hypnosis. And that hypnosis is partnered with Blackstone. And Blackstone appointed back in 2020 Jeffrey Kindler, former chairman and CEO of Pfizer, as a senior advisor. Good for the people that figured that out. My problem is with any individual who just looks at that Instagram post and says, oh yeah, sure, Neil Young went to hypnosis because One of their advisors used to work for Pfizer. Where is the evidence of that? Where is the proof of that? Let's find the evidence and let's find the proof before we just jump to conclusions because we saw it on social media. And it doesn't take very long to do the research. You can go to blackstone.com, their website, and find this. So I'm going to show you how we prove or disprove those social media posts. August of 2020, Blackstone announces appointment of Jeffrey B. Kendler, former chairman and CEO of Pfizer, as a senior advisor. October of 2021, Blackstone and Hypnosis Song Management, LTD, announce a new partnership, backed by funds managed by Blackstone, which will initially deliver $1 billion to acquire music rights and management catalogs. A few months later, Hypnosis takes on a number of artists, from Fleetwood Mac to Blondie, to Barry Manilow, to Neil Young after the Spotify issue. Now, the fact that there is a Pfizer executive, quote-unquote former Pfizer executive, on the board as an advisor to Blackstone and Hypnosis, because they have a partnership might just be a coincidence because they've also acquired the music rights to Fleetwood Mac and Blondie and Barry Manilow. And there aren't any controversies between those three groups and individuals and Spotify and Joe Rogan. Maybe they've made comments about it in the past, but there's no big million-dollar dispute about it. However, it is quite interesting that Neil Young wants Joe Rogan removed for disinformation about vaccines and COVID-19 and then his music is purchased by a company with a partnership and an advisor on this other company that's partnered with Hypnosis, Blackstone, an advisor who was the CEO and former chairman of Pfizer I don't want to say it's a coincidence, but it could be a coincidence. It nonetheless is interesting. The point is, we can prove those Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook posts. Everything that's just reduced down to like a 10 second video and a little tiny frame on Instagram, a picture. Personally, I don't like information being shared that way. I don't think that that's helpful. I think that it's lazy. I think that it's pathetic. I think that our entire society is so lazy, pathetic, and slow that we can't process information unless it's given to us in something that's less than a soundbite. They give it to us in a thimble, and we can barely process that. And people, without even knowing if a statement like that is true, Neil Young partners with former Pfizer CEO. He must have had this in the back pocket the whole time. Probably not. It it, it probably is just a coincidence, but nonetheless, it's an interesting coincidence. And let's, let's prove it. So let's go find the information. I don't just buy it because there's a post on Facebook about it. Where is the factual information? And both sides do this. You see this on Facebook all the time. I saw this post about Neil Young and Blackstone, and people immediately believe it just because there it is on Facebook. They're in their echo chamber. And then other people say, that's completely ridiculous. That's nonsense. That's not true. But when you research it, it is true. Just some of those posts might be a little misleading when they're like, Neil Young teams up with former Pfizer CEO. Well, not really. A company with a partnership with another company that employs as an advisor, a former CEO of Pfizer and former chair of Pfizer, purchased a lot of Neil Young's catalog after he was booted from Spotify. And Spotify did that because of hundreds of millions of dollars invested in Joe Rogan. But Hypnosis also acquired Fleetwood Mac, Blondie, and Barry Manilow in 2021. This is called real fact-checking. And I know for some people it's kind of hard to do because we want those sound soundbites. We want, we want it to be easy. We want it to be fed to us. We don't care who feeds it to us. It could be Brian Steltzer, Don Lemon. It could be those weird, creepy guys on Fox News, the fake blonde women on Fox News, or it could be Alex Jones. Personally, I like Alex Jones, but he has a lot of listeners that just regurgitate and repeat exactly what he says. And that doesn't help us. So we need to find the source of the information And objectively analyze it to figure out what it says and what it means before we can go any further. Because if we don't do that, we're doing ourselves. And even when it turns out to be true, just like hypnosis, Blackstone, and Neil Young. Even when it turns out to be true, it's still not exactly as accurate as those social media posts. So we need to find the source of the information. And tonight, I have... Lots of sources of information that I need to share with you. I have a study in Applied Economics from Johns Hopkins Institute for Applied Economics, Global Health, and the Study of Business Enterprise. It is a 57-page study, including the resources. And here's the title of the study. It was just published. A Literature Review and Meta-Analysis of the Effects of Lockdowns on COVID-19 Mortality. This is a very thorough, very complex yet simple to understand, study from a major respected source that absolutely demonstrates lockdowns have zero effect, statistically insignificant effect on curbing or mitigating COVID-19. When you go to try to find this study, I looked it up on various sources today. I looked at local media that had copies of it. I looked on Infowars, which had a link to it, and whether it was Infowars, I go all the way to one side and all the way to the other side. I go all the way to the mainstream and all the way to the alternative, all the way to the independent, and in all cases where they had all the places that had links to the study, you click the link, the link is broken. And some of these articles, when I looked them up this morning, were published literally like forty-five. One was four, like forty-five minutes before. I read it. It was published. So it it was published within an hour of me accessing it. I clicked the link to the study, and I even took a picture of what my computer screen did. It would not connect to the site. It was a .edu site, a Johns Hopkins University, jhu.edu site, and it would not let me into the website. I actually sent a copy of this to a listener named Joseph Lavelle this morning because he's been messaging me, quite a bit about the new COVID-19 vaccine that's been approved. Moderna has a FDA-approved vaccine now. And I messaged Joseph about this this morning because I was looking through the emails he had sent me, and this new vaccine from Moderna is called SpikeVax. And this vaccine is now approved by the FDA. FDA. However, it's a very similar situation to Pfizer's approved vaccine and Comirnaty where you can't find Comirnaty and you can't find SpikeVax, but you can find the original emergency use authorization vaccines, meaning that you can't be forced to take it under emergency use authorization. You have to be given the right to refuse it and you cannot be fired from your job. Now, this is a little more complicated and perhaps easier now that the Supreme Court has struck down the 100 employee mandate for a COVID-19 vaccines. I just want to show you the source of the information, the context, what it means and the proof that the so-called pandemic isn't so much a pandemic and much of what you've been told is a gross lie. I'm Ryan Gable. This is the Secret Teachings. There's more after this. Stay with us. It's the month of Janus and the year of the Tiger 2022. Here on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.
1: Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com,
0: and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. Do you have everything you need to explore The Secret Teachings?
1: I've got my secret socks on and my secret TV and my secret TV channel.
0: Looks like SpongeBob's ready. Are you? Hey, this is Charlie Robinson, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. I'm going to provide you with some resources tonight so that you can conduct your own research. Although what I'm going to tell you is based on the research and based on the resource. So you can research it yourself. You're going to see that it says exactly what I'm telling you it says. You go to the Internet, type in SPI-B, the role of behavioral science in the coronavirus outbreak. You'll pull up a UK website with a background paper published by the Scientific Pandemic Influenza Group on Behaviors, that's the SPI-B, for SAGE, the Scientific Advisory Group for Emergencies. There's the paper, The Role of Behavioral Science in the Coronavirus Outbreak. This is March of 2020, so this is right around the time that we heard about the expansion of mitigation processes and techniques to stop COVID-19. We heard all about the, the two weeks that turned into the rest of your life. In the UK, in March of 2020, meaning this paper was written before March of 2020, meaning that this information, this dialogue, was already being had in the UK before there was a pandemic. So the Scientific Pandemic Influenza Group, the SPIB, published this study at the beginning of the pandemic, and the study looks at behavioral science and addresses how behavioral science can be used to coerce the public into acquiescing to the increasingly, what would become increasingly trivial demands. According to behavioral scientists who worked in the group, psychologist Gavin Morgan, for example, said clearly using fear as a means of control is not ethical. Using fear smacks of totalitarianism. It's not an ethical stance for any modern government. Gavin Morgan was a psychologist working with the SPIB. Several of the scientists and the psychologists said that the UK government used fear, they didn't use science, they used psychology to alter the way people looked at the world and the so-called pandemic to terrify, terrorize, and perpetuate a narrative that was untrue. One of the scientists from the SPIB said in March of 2020, this was at the beginning of the pandemic, the government was very worried about compliance and they thought people wouldn't want to be locked down. There were discussions about fear. This is a quote, by the way. There were discussions about fear being needed to encourage compliance, and decisions were made about how to ramp up the fear. The way we have used fear is dystopian. That was a scientist working with the SPIB. And I have a copy of the SPIB's Increasing Adherence to COVID-19 Preventative Behaviors Among Young People, an article that they published. It's a little PDF file you can pull offline. And it says, what to message? How do we get to these younger people? How do we convince them to behave the way that we want them to behave? And one of these points really stood out to me. I'll read you two of them. The second one really stands out to me. Number one, interventions should provide accurate information on short-term and long-term consequences, etc., like long COVID, risks to loved ones. So people should be provided accurate information on the consequences that their actions have relating to disease and relating to their family, friends, etc. This is the same talking point from Yale University, published back in the summer of 2020. It's the same talking point from the American Medical Association in their 2021 AMA Winter Guide for COVID-19. It's the same message whether it's Yale and the NIH or it's the American Medical Association or it's the SPIB. It's the same exact message. It's the same psychological techniques being used across the pond, around the world. And not just in the UK or the United States. In some countries, it's a lot more authoritarian and strict because they don't have the preventative measures in their governmental system that prevents the outright abuse of power. But they do have the same hypocrites. They do have the same types of so-called leaders like Boris Johnson, who it's come out in reports was having drinking parties and other parties at 10 Downing Street where they were operating the psychological nudge unit out of, trying to convince people that the virus was worse than it really was to get them to acquiesce to psychology rather than science. The same kind of leaders that we have here in the United States, where the mayors of San Francisco and Los Angeles and the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, are hanging out at the NFC Championship football game with Magic Johnson with no masks and no social distancing. If they were really worried, you'd think that they would be following their own mitigation suppression strategies. But they're not. And our leaders here in the United States are no different than those in the UK, partying, drinking, and God knows what else during a public health emergency. The next message from the SPIB or the SPI-B is this. Communications should avoid giving visibility to non adherence or suggest the ineffectiveness of preventative behaviors. Now, it doesn't say that the behaviors work. It doesn't say suggest the ineffectiveness of preventative behaviors, comma, that have been shown to scientifically work to mitigate COVID-19. There's no link. There's no conclusion to that statement. It's just avoid showing people that don't comply and avoid suggesting that these mitigation techniques, which are hyped up, which are made up, which are misleading, some of which are downright dangerous to the economy, to society, to culture, and to the individual psychology of the person, to the family, to the children, etc. Isolation, covering the face, stunted development, drug use, suicide, etc. Don't even suggest that these mitigation Techniques are ineffective, don't even suggest that these mitigation techniques should be avoided. It just don't even acknowledge it. Turn the camera away from it. Don't suggest the ineffectiveness of preventative behaviors. And that's what they call them. They call them preventative behaviors. They don't even call them mitigations. They don't even call them health. They say, preventative behaviors, not like health behaviors or better health behaviors or something to that effect. No, in their own literature, they say preventative behaviors because it's about behavioral psychology. So they certainly wouldn't want you looking at the new Johns Hopkins University report that came out or the Johns Hopkins Institute report for applied economics, global health, and the study of business enterprise. This just came out from what I understand, less than 24 hours ago. And if you go to the Internet and type this name in, you're going to get article after article after article after article unless they fixed it since this morning where you click the link and the study is gone. I've done this three or four times this morning, and I thought maybe there was something wrong with my Internet again. So I went back. I still couldn't pull up the study. Luckily, I found a website that had loaded the study Onto another website where they had embedded it and I was able to get a link to it and I was able to download it and I was able to print it. So I have a physical copy right here in studio with me. It's a big boy, 57 pages. I've got the whole study here and I actually sent the study to a listener or two of ours, Joseph Lavelle. I sent it to my co-host Jack as well. It's a big study. But nonetheless, I've got a copy of it now because if you go to those websites, if you go to from InfoWars to local media where they're reporting this, I want to do it right now. You go to a website and you try to click on the study that, that's linked up and it immediately takes you to jhu.edu, literature review and meta-analysis of the effects of COVID-19 lockdowns or lockdowns on COVID-19 mortality. And this site cannot be reached. So it's like they have pulled it from the Internet. Or at least they have blocked me from accessing it. Luckily, I was able to find a copy of it. And I've got a copy of it right here in my hands. So you could t- take my computer out right now, wipe it out. I prefer you don't do that. But I've got a physical copy of it right here. So unless you come and burn my house down, I've got a copy of the data right here. And what does the data show? It's something that the SPI-B wouldn't want you to see. No, no, no. They wouldn't want you to see a highly respectable publication, anything from Johns Hopkins University, which has also proven itself to be a talking point and a mouthpiece of the established COVID narrative. When things that come out that are legitimate, they get scrubbed from the internet. We're only allowed to listen to Johns Hopkins. We're only allowed to listen to Harvard we're only allowed to listen to top doctors. We're only allowed to listen to the Imperial College of London when they're telling us that millions of people are going to die. When they're telling us that COVID-19 mitigation techniques are the only way to stop COVID-19, that they could reduce. This was the study. The Imperial College London, which I believe had direct connections to Bill Gates and others, they predicted in 2020 that, that a suppression strategy this is a quote from the study, by the way. A suppression strategy, quote, based on a lockdown would reduce COVID-19 mortality by up to 98%. In the end, the mitigation techniques, the statistical data that was derived from studying those mitigation techniques, turns out that the number was more like the opposite of 98%. Mitigation Lockdowns, suppression strategies, only reduce COVID-19 mortality by under 3%, somewhere around 2%. Literally the exact opposite of what the Imperial College London predicted. Now here's the thing. If you told that to somebody, you already know the reaction. It's the same programmed cookie-cutter response. It's a talking point. Well, you can find science to prove anything. Yeah, you can. You can find science and scientists and doctors that said smoking cigarettes was good. You can find companies that used to install asbestos. You you can find people that to this day still tell you fluoride is good. Mercury is good for your teeth. Mercury is really good. Put it in your mouth. It's good for you. It doesn't actually harm you. It helps you. Mercury helps you. One of the most toxic things known to a human being and animals, but no, it helps you. But here's the difference. Once again, it's all about the wording and the context. When the Imperial College of London predicted that a suppression strategy like a lockdown would reduce COVID-19 mortality by up to 98%, they only predicted it. When this new study came out, I believe this was either last night or this morning, it's now been pulled from the internet. Some sources uploaded it to a PDF reader. You can download it. I've got a copy of it if you want it a literature review and meta-analysis of the effects of lockdowns and COVID-19 mortality, and they were very selective with their studies. I read through this whole 57-page document right before the show tonight, and it it reports that the ICL, the Imperial College London, predicted this strategy, lockdowns, et cetera, that would reduce mortality for COVID-19 by up to 98%. Turns out it was more like around 2%. And those statistics, those numbers, that data isn't even statistically significant to demonstrate that COVID-19 suppression strategies and lockdowns did anything at all except cause harm. Anxiety, depression, suicide in some of the worst cases, alcoholism, drug use, domestic violence, stunted childhood development, both in education from having kids locked down and from seeing family and friends and, and, and parents with masks and cloths over their face, shutting down small businesses, letting bigger businesses stay open. I mean, subconsciously, for people that aren't even aware of what's going on, that has an effect. I mean, people that are, are unaware still aren't dumb. There's still a spirit animating their body. And the subconscious mind looks at Walmart being open and thinks, well, why can Walmart be open but the small hardware store on the corner can't be open? Why can a strip club stay open as an essential business in some places but a tiny little shoe store, which you'd think is an essential business, has to shut down permanently because of lockdowns? In reality, lockdowns and all these suppression strategies have caused A a enormous rift in our society, an enormous schism. They have put people on a war footing with themselves and with others. And that is the goal. Because just like the SPI B said, we don't focus on anything that could question our authority. And our authority is in behavior modification. It's not even about masking, it's not about social distancing. It's not about any other suppression strategy. It's we want to get the public to act a certain way. Here are the things we tell them to get them to act this way. It's the law. There are 10,000 cases a minute being reported, and you show that on the news every couple of seconds. Case counters. There's 100,000 deaths this year. Tell them all these horrible, scary, terrifying things. You terrorize them into compliance. But they're not complying with something that's based in science. They're complying with something that's based in psychology. You terrorized and terrified people to the point where they acquiesce and they do what you tell them to do. And when they stop doing what you tell them to do, you publish papers like the SPI-B did, trying to figure out, well, why are people not adhering to this? And how can we get people to to continue to adhere or to go back to adhering. And so like the SPIB or the SPI-B said, one of the ways we can get people to go back to this, especially young people and especially minorities, which are the ones that are most likely to not participate in these mitigation strategies, is avoid giving any kind of attention to people that don't adhere and communications should suggest the ineffectiveness or suggest the the moving of our attention away from the ineffectiveness of preventative measures. Don't look at the data. Don't look at the facts. Like, for example, I have here in front of me some data and some facts. And here's what the data and the facts say. The data and the facts say half of New York City COVID hospitalizations were admitted for other reasons, according to state data. Here's another one. This is from the UK. Nearly half of new COVID patients were admitted to hospital for other reasons. So I've got January 5th out of the Telegraph, half of COVID patients admitted to hospital for other reasons. That's the headline of the article. Look this up, pull the story, show the people that can't comprehend or process reality that you have to fight with all the time. Nearly half of new COVID patients were admitted to hospital for other reasons. They're not sick of COVID. They're not even necessarily sick. They just have to get a test when they go in for a sprained ankle. And now they're a new case. And then if they die in the hospital for malpractice, it was actually COVID. And then two days later, January 7th, according to state data from the state of New York, New York City COVID hospitalizations Half of them were admitted for other reasons. That's according to state data. That's what the data shows us. The SPI-B, just like the NIH, just like Yale, just like the AMA, they're saying don't look at the data. You know, you're too stupid to look at the data. You just don't get it. You're not a scientist. You don't have a degree. And then the scientists and the doctors and the people that do have degrees and and the senators and congress people the people that are powerful the people that are intelligent the people that in some cases are very wise they're not allowed to say anything either because they're not listening to the psychology not the science it's the psychology it's the science of psychology and that's what it's all about psychology it's not about Suppression strategies. It's not even about the science. It's just The science is just a way to divert your attention away from the psychology. That's what they're focused on. But I'm going to look at that data anyway. I don't care what the SPI-B or Yale or NIH or White House or anybody else says. I'm going to look at the data. And here's the data from one of the most reputable sources that you can find anywhere in the world. Johns Hopkins University. The study itself is no longer online, apparently, unless you find it on a website that published the PDF or, you know, has a, has a, a, a download link. Uh, it's, it's not available. As far as I can find right now, it's still unavailable. I do have a physical copy of it. But here's what it talks about. It talks about MPIs, compulsory, non-pharmaceutical interventions, lockdowns, policies that restrict internal movement, close schools and businesses, and ban international travel. And it discusses those NPIs in hundreds of studies. They compare hundreds of studies, maybe even thousands. I think it's hundreds. It's at least hundreds. Hundreds of studies in different parts of the world and show that suppression strategies had no effect on COVID-19 mortality. And the slight percentage of effectiveness that perceptually would look like they had some effectiveness, was the literal opposite of what the Imperial College London predicted would be the case. They predicted 98%, 98% suppression strategies based on lockdown would reduce COVID-19 mortality by up to 98%. The ICL said, turns out it was more around 2%, literally the opposite of what we were told. And then people still hold on to the story. Oh, but the mitigation, the suppression strategies, they prevented uh, deaths uh, 2% of the time. That's a good thing. We needed to shut down the businesses and mentally brain damage the children. We needed to keep people locked down in their homes and encourage the suicide and the drinking and the starvation around the world. That's the only way we could have prevented those 2% deaths. Meanwhile, hundreds of thousands of people slip into starvation and die of starvation, millions worldwide businesses shut down, economies decimated. We're like, well, we saved 2% of the people that could have died but wouldn't have actually died anyway because out of those 2% of the so-called deaths you supposedly reduced, you can't quantify that anyway. And if only about 0.01% of the people that have it die, you're talking about a percentage of, like, nobody. And that's the thing that gets me. Once again, going back to the first segment, you have people that say, The virus is literally killing millions of people. Some people think more people in the U.S. have died than even live in the U.S. Some people think in the U.K. more people have died than even live in the U.K. Because the average person is so oblivious. They are petrified in a state of fear and terror. And even when authorities or authoritative sources say, none of this works. The lockdowns don't work. Masks don't work, as the CDC has said about cloth masks, totally worthless. You should call into question now their credibility on everything, which is also, I think, part of the plan, because then who can replace the CDC? The World Health Organization, because they've been a crackerjack box of experts this whole time too, haven't they? Johns Hopkins University. We're going to get into this in the next segment. But they have shown that there is no effectiveness of suppression strategies. There is no effectiveness. And depending on what statistical data you look at, it's literally from less than a percent to, to about, about 2%. In some cases, it's a little higher than 2%, up to 2.9%. It's literally the opposite of all those terrifying, terrorizing, petrifying horror stories. Hundreds of millions of people are going to die didn't happen. And now, reality is setting in. In the United Kingdom, COVID-19 as the sole cause of death was just 17,371 people in England and Wales, just above 17,000 people, not 137,000 that had been reported. That's not a pandemic. At all. So when you say the pandemic doesn't exist, maybe this is a good place to start. If you want to try to appeal to people's sense of of critical thinking, what might remain of it, people's sense of reason. Because if you say there are hundreds of thousands of people dying, millions of people getting sick, and oh my God, the world's ending. That's one extreme. The other extreme is there's no such thing as a virus. Nobody's sick. Everything is just made up. Well, it's like maybe maybe it's kind of kind of like that, but that's that's not really accurate either. I think the best way to analyze this is to look at the statistical data which is showing us more people are not dying a year in the UK just like in the United States of 137,133 people in England and Wales that supposedly died. Between January 2020 and the end of September 2021, only 17,371 died actually of COVID. Everybody else died of other things. Half of the hospitalizations in the UK are for other reasons. They're just testing positive because everybody that goes to the hospital has to have a test. That's how they boost the numbers. That's how they boost the deaths. Same thing in the United States. 95% according to the CDC's website, not according to Rochelle Walensky, But according to the CDC website, it says 95% of the people who died of COVID-19, that's 95% of 800 plus thousand individuals, almost 900,000, died of four additional comorbidities. And then people say, well, don't you think COVID could have exacerbated those comorbidities? Like, well, if COVID-19 was a deadly virus, maybe. But it's not because virtually everybody survives it. People are dying of other things. And it's just being listed as COVID-19. And in fact, things are so bad in some places, different studies out of different places from New York City to the UK, 80% of COVID patients in New York City who were placed on a ventilator died. They didn't die of COVID. They died of malpractice. In the UK, the same thing. 66% of the people put on ventilators died. Not because they had COVID, but because the ventilator And the doctors killed them. And then the 80% in New York City and the 66% in the UK, that's all of the UK, is blamed on COVID-19 and not malpractice, which is the number one killer as per the medical industry in the United States. The number one killer of all people are doctors. A study in Wuhan, that's China, a study in Wuhan found 86% of ventilated patients died. For a lot of reasons. One of the big reasons is you're taking people that are healthy, they just might have, you know, they might have smoked their whole life. People that have trouble breathing because of anxiety, let's say, and you're sticking something into their body, you're cramming them into a one size fits all policy that then you profit from when you put people on the ventilator and you're blowing their lungs out and you're killing them. And then you can say, well, that's a COVID death too. This is evil and statistical malpractice on a level and contextual malpractice on a level that is beyond the comprehension of any person who doesn't strictly spend their entire day studying it. It's even beyond me. It is so incredibly evil, so incredibly out of context, and it's meant to be confusing. And here's the other thing. Of those 17,000 people in the UK... 13,597 were 65 or older. The average death in the UK from COVID was 82.5 years old. The projected life expectancy in the UK is 79 years old for men, 82.9 years for women, meaning people are dying after the life expectancy in some cases with COVID. They're, They're living longer with COVID, if you want to make that statistical argument. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. We're going to get into Johns Hopkins University next and the approval of this new COVID vaccine. More after this. Stay with us.
1: The truth is out there. And so are we. KTLK. Digital Broadcasting. The Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings is finally available on nearly every podcast platform, from Apple and Spreaker to Spotify and Podcast Addict. Also available is TST Weekends. Search the show name and start listening today for free. If you want to avoid those annoying ads, subscribe to our ad-free archive with our oldest shows, a private RSS feed, our montage archive, and Ryan's digital books. Visit thesecretteachings.info. Seize the means of production. Stop it, Vlad. You know the rule.
0: No communism.
1: Mama, if you just get rid of all these successful people, we'll finally be happy. No, honey, that just means we'll all be poor.
0: Freedom-loving parents have long been left alone to shoulder the burden of educating their children and passing down a love of liberty. While there are a few books that teach these ideas to adults, there seem to be fewer that teach them to children. The Tuttle Twins series changes all of that, helping parents convey the principles of freedom to their kids in a fun way. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate link for the Tuttle Twins to get your curriculum and books today so that you can educate yourself and your children on how to adhere to the principles of liberty for all people. So
1: if you have offspring and don't want them supporting socialism, then click the link and order the Tuttle Twins books today. Stalin has no stunning new achievements unless you consider killing
0: millions of innocent people an achievement.
1: This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com/slash the Secret Teachings.
0: Howdy, this is Joe
1: Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings.
2: I'm Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero Radio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable.
0: Ryan Gable, and you are tuned into the Secret Teachings Radio. Thank you for joining us this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening around the world, from Australia to Canada to South America to Europe, and whether you're listening to the Fringe FM, the Fringe FM app, TalkStream Live, the Paranormal Radio app, or in our free archive on a number of different platforms, maybe in our advertisement free archive on the website which you can subscribe to to get access to all the shows, the montages, and my digital books. We welcome you to the broadcast. And in this hour, I am going to break down in great detail and provide you with the sources of what I'm breaking down. Everything from the statistical data out of the UK to the United States for COVID-19 cases and deaths to this enormous Johns Hopkins University study That just came out either this morning or yesterday. That has already been pulled from the internet. And I read through this whole study. 57 pages. This is what I do all day. 57 pages of this study. Plus I read through a bunch of other reports today from the FDA. Because they have a new approved COVID-19 vaccine. I'm going to tell you about as well. And in this study. They obliterate with statistical data. And analyzing dozens to hundreds. Of other studies some of which they rejected because they were not scientifically accurate, to show that lockdowns had virtually no effect on COVID-19 mortality. I'm going to share all of that with you in the next hour. But first, I need to tell you that if you want to hear more of this show, if you want to support us, you want to help spread the word of the secret teachings, if you're on Apple, if you're on a podcast platform, please scroll down to the bottom of the platform Give us four or five stars, whatever you think we're worth. And make a little note, some commentary in the the text box below. And let people know what you think of the show. Maybe you don't like us. That's okay. Let people know what you honestly think of the show. And don't think that there aren't trolls and people that want to harass and censor what we do who won't go there and do that just to run our ratings down. So if you like the show... If you have something kind to say, even if you don't go onto Apple and listen to the show, just go over there, find the show and leave us a rating. Let us know what you think. It will also let other people know what you think, and that'll help boost our show availability on those platforms. It'll let people know, hey, this is a good show. Other people think the same. Please do that if you have the opportunity to do it. It might take you 10 seconds. Just search The Secret Teachings. You can also go to our website, by the way, find the embed player, the RSS feed that you can plug into an Apple podcast player, for example, and a link to all of the streaming platforms that the show is on. And you can access that for free on the website. There will be advertisements in it, though. I have to pack these shows full of advertisements. I'm trying to generate an income through ads. It's not really working that well. A lot of technical issues so far. But you can go to the website and you can listen to all the shows. At least a a certain number of shows. I think there's 324 of our last shows. I mean, that's several years of radio there that you can listen to for free. If you want to get the ad-free version of the show, you want to get access to our montage archive, you want to get a private RSS feed with no advertisements, you can also plug into your player and you'd like to get a copy of my digital books, you get all three of them, subscribe to the show. Go to the website, thesecretteachings.info. Click on the subscribe button. Subscribe to the show weekly, monthly, or yearly. And here's another little cool thing, that if you subscribe for one year, you get all of that and a physical copy of one of my books. So I am putting everything I have into this to try to give you something back, asking and requesting, certainly not begging. I'm asking and requesting Your support to the show, whether you buy a water filter through Pro One, you buy a copy of one of my books or several copies, give them away as gifts, subscribe to the show, subscribe for somebody else and give them the login. Or you become a patron by subscribing on Patreon. We have a really cheap tier there to support the show as well. It's like five bucks a month. That's like a cup of coffee. What you do supports us and keeps us on air. You can also find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. Gab and Getter. I'm still trying to build that. I'm not a social media guru. I don't really use social media, but we do have pages there. And if you'd like to email us, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. rdgable at yahoo.com. Still trying to get these technical difficulties worked out. A lot of people have asked, if I donate, will that help? Well, of course, if you donate, that helps, but... That isn't the exclusive reason, or even uh, you know, a small reason of why I'm having technical difficulties. I'm having technical difficulties because I-, I could sit here and go through this whole thing again, and I won't. From applications on my phone to my mixing board to my headphones to my speakers, uh, things are under digital assault, and um, we should have this this stuff fixed soon. Uh, maybe. Uh, Maybe it's what we're talking about. Maybe it's a coincidence. I, I, I don't really know. But I'm doing my best to resolve this. I mean, if you saw what I did behind the scenes, I, I'm doing everything here. So it takes me a long time to sit down and to prepare a show. So I have all this data, and that's what I want to go into right now. And if you like what we do here, please support us in those ways that I mentioned. So here is the data. Out of the United Kingdom... Between January 2020 and the end of September 2021 in England and Wales, COVID-19 was the sole cause of death not for 137, 133 people as reported, but only 17,371 people. Of those 17,371 people, 13,597 were 65 years or older. The average age of death in the UK from COVID 19 exclusively in 2021 was 82.5 years old. And that's interesting because the projected life expectancy in the UK for men is 79 years old. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean what I'm going to say, but I guess I'll just say it anyway. That means if you have COVID, and die with COVID, not necessarily from COVID, but if you die with COVID, or from COVID even, you have a longer life expectancy than if you didn't die of COVID and didn't die with COVID. That is statistically what the data shows. Isn't that crazy? That's based on the statistical data. That is insane. I know that's hard to believe. 79 years old, the average man the average death age of COVID-19 exclusively was 82.5 years. I think that that says all that you need to know. For women, however, the average death is 82.9 years. So if you're a woman and you don't have COVID or don't die of COVID, you have a 0.4% chance of living longer without COVID. If you're a man you're actually less likely to die with COVID. You're more likely to die without COVID. So if you're a man in the UK, statistically speaking, you're better off with COVID. That's an astounding statistic from the UK. Estimates also suggest in the UK that because of lockdowns and other things like that, due to all the restrictions, etc., 50,000 cancer deaths over the past 18 months that normally would not have occurred have occurred. Now, now you can look at that and say, well, you can play with these statistics too, and yeah, you sure can, but we do know for sure, for sure, thousands of people across the world have not gone to the hospital, and not that I'm a big fan of the hospital, but thousands of people have not gone to the hospital. They could have been treated for things that, would have been easily preventable, as in death or just general suffering, had there not have been lockdowns and restrictions on who could get hospital care. So factor that into the lockdowns, factor that into the death statistics, where in the United States, and I've read this over and over and over again, it's also in my book, The Technological Elixir, which you can find a copy of on the website, I really, really highly recommend that book, by the way. I have put so much effort, time, blood, sweat, tears, and stress, and anxiety, and worry into this book. The Technological Elixir, it will not disappoint. This book will take you from artificial intelligence and climate engineering all the way to UFOs, all the way through COVID, all the way through the Mark of the Beast, all the way to the Garden of Eden. And it will give you so much information, you won't know what to do with it. And I can guarantee you that because I wrote the book and I don't know what to do with all the information. But this is in my book. From the CDC's website as of January of 2021, and they've since updated this, 95% of the people who have died of COVID exclusively, according to the media anyway, died of four additional comorbidities on average. Meaning, 5% of the people who have died, 800 plus thousand, died of COVID-19 as the only thing listed on their death certificate. Others died with 4.0 additional comorbidities. That's 95% of the deaths of 800 plus thousand. And they're dying of four additional on average comorbidities that are listed alongside of COVID-19 as someone who died of heart disease but with COVID-19. Oh, the COVID-19 could have made the heart disease worse. No, the COVID-19 didn't make the heart disease worse. Vaccines made the heart disease worse if they got an inflamed heart. And that's great because you can vaccinate somebody, they get myocarditis, they die, and they still died of COVID, not of the vaccine. It's brilliant if you're an exterminist. We also know 80% of COVID-19 patients in New York City who were placed on ventilators died. 80%. In Wuhan, China, it was 86%, and in the UK, it was 66%. Meaning that in addition to people who die from COVID, as opposed to people who die with SARS-CoV-2, the people that are going to the hospital and being treated are being killed statistically by the treatments. They're being killed by remdesivir, which is a poison. They're being killed by ventilators. And hospitals are receiving money from the federal government When people get put on ventilators, when people are listed as COVID-19 positive, and when people die, just like states like Arizona. Here in Arizona, we are suing the federal government because the federal government is trying to take money back from the state that was meant for education for children because the state refuses to impose draconian mask mandates. And they say, if you want to wear them, you can, but we're not going to force kids to wear masks. The federal government that cares so much about children said, we're taking the money back then. So, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's not educate the kids, not put any money into education in general, whether they're kids, teenagers, even young adults, even old adults that go back to school. No money in education. Take kids out of school cover their faces, social distance them, put them in bubbles, socially isolate them, make them depressed, make them confused, psychologically disturb them, psychologically torture them, psychologically terrorize them, physically terrorize them and torture them. And then because you don't try to enforce the terrorizing and the torture, the federal government says you don't care about kids, we're taking the money back. I mean, just evil on a level that is incomprehensible. But it gets better than that because it's not just the the ventilators, it's also, you know, things like zinc and, you know, the the antibody treatment. Personally, I'm I'm not a fan of ivermectin. Personally, I'm not a fan of hydroxychloroquine. I think they're poison. Maybe that's also something that sets me apart here on the secret teachings. Ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine are poison. But see, that might it might seem on the surface like I'm agreeing with CNN. See, I'm not agreeing with CNN because I don't say ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine are, you know, horse dewormers and, oh, it's a malaria drug and that's stupid. Why would you take that for COVID-19? That's not why I don't like them. I don't like them because they're still pharmaceutical drugs. And I think that there are other ways to treat disease that have nothing to do with giving people poison. But even then, they're probably, I don't know for sure, they're probably safer than than an mRNA vaccine. But even vitamin C, we know vitamin C is something that's good for the body. Vitamin C isn't allowed to be given as a treatment. Hell, the feds actually raided a clinic that was giving vitamin C last year. And hospitals, once again, just like this beautiful state of Arizona here, lose risk federal funding, or risk-lose, excuse me, risk just turn it around in my head, they risk-lose federal funding if they administer intravenous vitamin C, for example. And if they give out remdesivir, if they put you on a ventilator, if they poison you and they suffocate you, they blow your lungs out, they get more money. Hospitals are paid extra money. That's extra money if they use remdesivir, which we know causes organ damage. We know in New York City, we know in the U.K. as a whole, about half of all COVID-19 hospitalizations are not COVID-19 hospitalizations. They are there for other reasons. And we talked about this on a relatively recent show. In December of 2021, the very end of December, the Associated Press reported that more than a year after the vaccine was rolled out, new cases of COVID-19 in the U.S. have soared to their highest level on record at 265,000 per day. So in order to combat The clear, logical question of, well, I guess vaccines didn't work, so what do we do now? Why would you push these so hard, saying that they would prevent you from getting sick when more and more people are getting sick? The highest numbers as of the end of 2021? How is that possible with these vaccines, these great, safe, effective vaccines? So Dr. Anthony Fauci says hospitalization figures are a better guide to Omicron than case count. So they just moved the goalpost again. CDC says masks that are cloth don't work. Case counts don't really matter anymore, says Fauci. But I thought that's all that mattered. I thought we had to wear a mask. It doesn't matter. Just cover the face. And I thought that we had to count the cases. That's that's what the nightly news tracker is. They're not even tracking storms anymore. They're just tracking cases. But they say those don't matter anymore. They said hospitalization rates. Okay, great. Well, let's look at hospitalization rates. As of December 29th, 2021, according to Reuters, COVID-19 deaths and hospitalizations are comparatively low. As the highly infectious Omicron variant of the coronavirus spreads. According to who? Rochelle Lewinsky and the CDC. So hospitalization rates are low compared to other variants. So how is it possible to have the highest case count? Cases not matter anymore. Let's look at hospitalizations and hospitalizations actually be lower with higher case counts. So what do they tell us? December 31st, 2021, this word started being spread. Incidental. A significant portion, according to Business Insider, of people hospitalized with COVID-19 in recent weeks were admitted for other reasons, according to health officials and government data. You can look all these articles up. I'm giving you all the all the data that you need. Just look up the article. You can find the source of the information. Here's MarketWatch, directly from the Centers for Disease Control. The CDC made significant revisions to its Omicron new case estimates. Those are estimates. Again, estimates. In new data released, the federal agency said new cases of Omicron accounted for just 22.5% of new cases for the week ending December 18th not 73% as originally estimated. So they say 73% of people are getting sick with Omicron, but nobody's getting sick. They're testing positive. Cases don't matter anymore. Hospitalizations matter, but hospitalization rates are really, really low, and they overestimated from 22.5% to 73% of the people who are actually getting sick. That's why nobody's in the hospital. That's why nobody's dying, because it doesn't exist in the way that we've been told. The pandemic is not a pandemic. It's the same thing about the vaccine numbers. They keep telling you, oh, hundreds of millions got the vaccine in the U.S. Well, according to Bloomberg, that's not true. The federal government overcounted by millions, tens of millions of people who didn't get the shot. It's all fabricated. It's all psychology. It's all context. It's all a great, big, fat lie. So let's look at that data from Johns Hopkins now Johns Hopkins University studies in applied economics this just came out and it's already been booted off of the internet you can't find the links like they're broken they don't work whether infowars posted this this morning local news stations where i saw it this morning posted this the links are broken to the to the study it's a 57 page study with all the references all the charts all the data It's a very well-written study, and it's a very objective study from what I've read. And I read the whole thing. And it starts out by saying the Imperial College London predicted that a suppression strategy based on a lockdown would reduce COVID-19 mortality by up to 98%. The reality is these mitigation suppression strategies only reduce COVID-19 mortality in a statistically insignificant way to the opposite of 98% to about 2%. That's a giant... An enormous overprediction, and that's what it's all about. We overpredict the people that are going to die. We overpredict the people that are going to get sick. We overpredict the, the number of safe, effective vaccines. And then you, when you reduce the numbers, it's, it's next to nothing. According to the study, the study was actually put together because there was, quote, "no clear negative correlation between the degree of lockdown and fatalities in the spring of 2020." That's according directly to the study. i want to flip through this and read you the highlighted portions of the study so you don't have to sit down and read the whole thing, but I would encourage you to do so if you want to see the raw data for yourself. One of the things they talk about in the study is called synthetic control studies. These are those fake studies. These are these computer models that aren't real. In 2021, here is a great example of one of these synthetic studies. A synthetic Sweden versus a real Sweden. In the synthetic Sweden, there were 500 fewer deaths the first 11 weeks of 2020. And 4,500 fewer deaths in 2019 compared with the synthetic Sweden. So here's the synthetic version of reality where they say all these people are going to die All these people are going to get sick. And then in reality, and this is a quote, actual Sweden experienced approximately 500 fewer deaths the first 11 weeks of 2020 and 4,500 fewer deaths in 2019 compared to synthetic Sweden. Because it's all a computer model. It's all made up. It's all fake. It's the Imperial College London. If we don't do something, everybody's going to die. We can reduce the deaths by 98%. I don't even know how you can quantify that because there hadn't been a large number of deaths anyway. How can you reduce the number of deaths that haven't occurred by doing things that you haven't tested to see if they worked? And it turns out it's the very opposite of 98%. It's like one point something to 2.9%. And that's statistically insignificant anyway. And it only relates to certain things like, for example, a lot of people didn't get sick because bars were closed down, according to this Johns Hopkins University study. Here's another section, the role of optimal timing. All European countries in the U.S. states that were hit hard and early by COVID-19 experienced high mortality rates, whereas all countries hit relatively late experienced low mortality rates. And the authors of the study are saying, well, it's kind of difficult to, to, to figure out why that is. If it were so contagious and infectious, it should have affected everybody the same. Because it's all about timing. It's all about statistics, and it's all about context. The study says estimates show that the average lockdown in Europe and the U.S. only reduced COVID-19 mortality by 2.4%. Several studies find no statistically significant effect of lockdowns on mortality. I mean, if, if this were the hardcore the science, as they tell you, it should be indisputable. It should be absolutely provable in every single study, but it's not. And most studies show that lockdowns did zip, zilch, nada, nothing, null. They did nothing. No statistically significant effect of lockdowns on mortality. The study continues. Overall conclusion on stringency index studies Compared to a policy based solely on recommendations, we find little evidence that lockdowns had a noticeable impact on COVID-19 mortality. According to Stringency Index studies, lockdowns in Europe and the US reduced only COVID-19 mortality by 0.2% on average. Studies generally find that SIOP or SIPOs, excuse me, have reduced COVID-19 mortality by 2.9%. This is all directly from the Johns Hopkins study. Overall conclusions On SIPO studies, we find no clear evidence that SIPOs had a noticeable impact on COVID-19 mortality. Some studies find a large negative relationship between lockdowns and COVID-19 mortality, but this seems to be caused by short data series which does not cover a full COVID-19 quote-unquote wave. I'm reading reading to you directly from the study. Here's another one. Overall conclusion on specific NPIs, non-pharmaceutical interventions. We find no evidence that lockdowns, school closures, board closures, and limited gatherings have had a noticeable effect on COVID-19 mortality. There is some evidence that business closures reduce COVID-19 mortality, but here's the good part, folks. But the variation in estimates is large, and the effect seems to relate to closing bars. Here's the overall conclusion of the study. Concluding observations, overall, our meta-analysis fails to confirm that lockdowns have had a large, significant effect on mortality rates. Studies examining the relationship between lockdown strictness based on a strategy index, OXCGRT, find that the average lockdown in Europe and the United States only reduced COVID-19 mortality by 0.2% compared to a COVID-19 policy based solely on recommendations. Shelter-in-place orders were also ineffective they only reduce COVID-19 mortality by 2.9%. Listen to that again. The average lockdown in Europe and the U.S. only reduced COVID-19 mortality by 0.2% compared to policies based on recommendations. When you recommend to people to do something, it actually had a greater effect than when you demand and you make it what people perceive as anyway, a law to follow. People will make a better decision if you give them the option to make that decision. Not a one-size-fits-all policy. That's what the science says. The study concludes, studies looking at specific NPIs, lockdowns versus no lockdowns, face masks, closing non-essential businesses, border closures, school closures, and limited gatherings or limiting gatherings. Also find no broad-based evidence of noticeable effects on COVID-19 mortality. However, closing non-essential businesses seem to have had some effect reducing COVID-19 mortality by 10.6%, which is likely to be related to the closure of bars. Also, masks may reduce COVID-19 mortality, but there is only one study that examines universal mask mandates. I've read that study. It ain't scientifically accurate. It's all just leading speculative and cherry-picking data. You'd expect them to have more studies conducted if they were uncertain, or even if they were certain, they'd have had to have the studies to know if it was going to work. The effect of border closures, school closures, and limiting gatherings on COVID-19 mortality yields precision-weighted estimates of 0.1 negative, or negative 0.1% to negative 4.4% and 1.6% respectively. Lockdowns, compared to no lockdowns, also do not reduce COVID-19 mortality. That's Johns Hopkins University. want a copy of that email me I'll send you a copy because well you can't really find it anywhere on the internet they're already scrubbing this it just came out this month 2022 when we come back I'm going to tell you about the new and approved that's not improved approved the new and approved spike vax moderna vaccine stamp of approval by the FDA I'll tell you what it means when we come back stay with us
1: facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. you're listening to the secret teachings for more information on the show or to contact ryan visit the or email ryan at
0: rdgable at yahoo.com hey there this is greg carlwood of the higher side chats and you're listening to the secret teachings with ryan gable So here it is right in front of me. I've got the approval letters from the FDA, the Biological License Applications for Pfizer's Comirnaty and Moderna's Spikevax. I've also got the printouts of the inserts. And I have an interesting amicus filed with the U.S. Supreme Court based on those two cases the Supreme Court just examined, relating to the Pfizer vaccine not actually being available to the public. If every business with 100 or more workers would have to mandate those vaccines, which luckily the U.S. Supreme Court said they don't have to do that, OSHA has no authority to enforce this, the executive branch overstepped, proof that our republic still functions to some degree in some capacity people wouldn't have been able to get the approved vaccine because comernity isn't in the pharmacy. Maybe where you live, it is, but I've called pharmacies all over the state of New York when I lived there, including a really large pharmacy at the biggest experimental branch of the enormous grocery store chain known as Wegmans. And Wegmans Pharmacy, the biggest in one of the fancier areas outside of Rochester, the uh, Pittsford area, No comirnaty. And the guy tells me, well, it's the same as the other vaccine. It's the same as the experimental one. And I said, but it doesn't matter. Legally, it has to be labeled comirnaty if a business is going to force you to go get it. Otherwise, there's no vaccine available. So I have the FDA announcements. I have the inserts and I have the biological license applications to these two so-called approved vaccines. I've got them right in front of me. And if you would like copies of these, you can find them by digging on the internet. Or you can simply email me at rdgable at yahoo.com and I will send you a link to all of these. You know, the FDA wanted how many years? 75 years it was 55, then 75 years to release the Pfizer data. That's a long, long, long time. 75 years to release the data. Why would they want to wait that long? I mean, I thought that these vaccines were proven. I thought that they were safe. I thought that they were effective. But I guess we have to wait 75 years to find out. I'm going to take you through these papers real fast. And I'm going to show you that you can do your own research. And you don't have to have a doctorate. You don't have to be a scientist to do it. But I will caution you that it's really important to be accurate. It's really important to have the source of the information. It's really important to acknowledge things when you're having a discussion, when you're having a debate, that if someone is combating what you're saying and saying, oh, that's, that's out of context, and you know that it's in context, put it in context. Best example is Rochelle Walensky on Good Morning America. 75% of the people are dying from COVID-19 because of comorbidities. And they're like, no, that's not true. That's out of context. And it was. She was referring to a study. But the CDC's website has that of all the people who have died, only 5% have died of COVID. In the UK, which by the way, that's 95% are dying of comorbidities of 4.0 on average, up from 2.9. In the UK, it's the same exact story. Only about 13,000 of 137,000 people in England and Wales that have died have died exclusively of COVID. Virtually all of them have been over 60-something years old. And in a lot of cases, it's several thousand people who have died with or of COVID are literally living longer with COVID and dying with or of COVID than people who don't have it, statistically. Makes very, very little sense. Here is the FDA's approval press release for the Pfizer vaccine, August 23rd, 2021. Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine Comirnaty, Comirnaty, that's how you pronounce it, Comirnaty for prevention of COVID-19 disease. Of course, it doesn't prevent it because we have all these cases, and now they're saying don't look at cases, look at hospitalization rates. You look at hospitalization rates, they're actually down. So it makes no sense. Here's what the press release says. Since December 11, 2020, the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine has been available under EUA, that's Emergency Use Authorization, in individuals 16 years of age and older, and the authorization was expanded to include those 12 through 15 years of age on May 10th, 2021. It says, based on results from the clinical trial, the vaccine was 91% effective in preventing COVID-19 disease. Well, I guess it faltered a little bit. In the general public, because now if you're vaccinated and that's a full vaccine dose, a full course, you get both vaccines and your boosters, you're still getting COVID at the same rate, if not a higher rate than people who don't have the vaccines. So they're not really 91% effective at preventing COVID-19 or from infection of SARS-CoV-2. They say from the FDA's press release, the most commonly reported side effects by those clinical trial participants who receive community were pain, redness, and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, or joint pain, chills, and fever. The vaccine is effective in preventing COVID-19 and potentially serious outcomes, including hospitalization and death. Problem is, people are still getting COVID-19. Problem is, commonly reported side effects are those reported by clinical trial participants. It doesn't include what the company or what the FDA studied after the fact. So people could die in the study and they ain't going to report anything because they're dead. And I'm not even saying that's what happened. I'm saying that's how you word things to get around inconvenient facts and details that would inhibit what you're trying to do getting this vaccine approved and approving it in the public mind, even though if you go try to find Comirnaty, you can't find Comirnaty. It's the same exact ingredients, the Pfizer vaccine, that's EUA, as Comirnaty. Yes, but according to the biological license application, which I have right here, biological license 1257420 or 2, uh, two uh, slash or dash 0, 125742 slash 0, August 23rd, 2021, you may label your product with the proprietary name Comernity and market it in 2.0 milliliter glass vials and packages of 25 and 195 vials. So you have to market the product as Comernity for it to be approved. Otherwise, it's an experimental emergency use authorization vaccine. It's not this difficult to figure it out, folks. It's really, really simple. That is the biological license application from Pfizer and approved by the FDA. But they won't show us the data for 75 years, they say. I also have the package insert for comernity. It's a big one. Shows you how to administer it. It says, do not administer comernity to individuals with known history of severe allergic reactions. That's the way they cover their butt. But how does an individual who has a history of allergic reactions who might not even have that necessarily documented by a doctor maintain their employment by telling the doctor or excuse me, by telling their employer, I don't have a doctor or my doctor doesn't really have a record of my allergic reactions. But trust me, I've got allergic reactions to these types of things, to ingredients, to vaccines, et cetera. My body reacts negatively. What are they going to do, fire you? In a lot of cases, yes. And what do people do? They just put their head between their legs, their tail between their legs, and they scurry off. And Pfizer is protected. It even says in the insert, section 5.2, myocarditis and pericarditis. Post-marketing data demonstrate, not suggest, it demonstrates increased risks of myocarditis and pericarditis, particularly within seven days following the second dose. The observed risk is higher among males around 40 years of age than among females and older males. The observed risk is highest in males 12 through 17 years of age. So if you're a young man and you get this vaccine, maybe that's why you're dropping dead or dropping sick on the football field, on the hockey ice, on the soccer turf. It just, it says it literally in the package insert. So you've got mainstream media saying there's no side effect. They're fine. Minor side effects. I mean, hell, the FDA even says in their letter the most commonly reported effects of the vaccine are pain, fatigue, headache, muscle and joint pain, chills, fever, which are the side effects of COVID-19 and pretty much any other so-called disease. In the insert, though, they have a whole write-up on myocarditis saying that post-marketing data doesn't suggest, it demonstrates, it proves there's an increased risk of myocarditis, particularly within a week following the second dose. That's when you're fully vaccinated. Unless you have to get a booster now some places. And the observed risk is worse in males 12 to 17 years of age. So if you're younger than that and a male, I would imagine for kids in particular, it's real deadly. That's the package insert for the vaccine. It also says available data on comirnaty administered to pregnant women are insufficient to inform vaccine-associated risks in pregnancy. So you can say it has no effect. They tell you in the news, no effect on pregnancy, yet in the insert for Pfizer's vaccine comirnaty, available data administered, comirnaty administered on pregnant women are insufficient to inform vaccine-associated risks in pregnancy. So you don't even know. But you can say certainly it doesn't have an effect, which isn't true because now we know women that get the vaccines certainly have an extended period, extended bleeding. Women report pain, swelling in the ovaries. So, you know, just in the uterus, in the vagina, just in the female reproductive system. So here's two things. Myocarditis is a known side effect that is demonstrated by statistical, clinical, real-world data, according to Pfizer. And they don't have the data on pregnancy, but they say, we can't inform you of that because we don't have the data. Yet the media says, there's no evidence, there's no proof, which they're right. There isn't because they don't have the data. So they can make that factual, misleading statement. There's no evidence that these vaccines have any effect on pregnancy, on the fetus, on the reproductive system. Well, there actually is. There's a lot of evidence. And now they're blaming the vaccine effects on pregnancy and the fetus and the woman on COVID-19. And suddenly COVID-19 is attacking the testicles. Suddenly COVID-19 is attacking the ovaries. Suddenly it's attacking the placenta. Oh, my God. From the U.S. to Israel, studies coming out COVID-19 is attacking the reproductive system. Suddenly, you mean when scientists are finally acknowledging that the vaccine actually extends a woman's period? That in a New England Journal of Medicine study, 82% of the women who received the vaccine prior to their third trimester experienced spontaneous abortions, quote-unquote? This is all laid out in my book, The Technological Elixir, if you're interested. Available data on community administered to Pregnant Women, Insufficient. So you can't say it doesn't have an effect because they say they don't even have the data. And here's something really interesting that you should be aware of if you're not already aware of it. Here's an amicus filed with the U.S. Supreme Court. Defending the Republic, Inc., filing this. Defending the Republic Inc. seeks to inform the court that the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine mandated by the OSHA ETS and described as being the one approved by the FDA, now there's two, but at the time there was one, i.e. Comirnaty, is not currently available to anyone in the United States. The United States finally and reluctantly conceded this in a lawsuit DTR brought in Florida. There is no supply of Comirnaty. The only vaccines in production and available are the vaccines approved under the FDA's emergency use authorization. So here's the new vaccine January 31st, 2022, a lovely birthday present for me. Moderna has their vaccine approved. It's called SpikeVax, Moderna's COVID 19 vaccine has been available under emergency use authorization to individuals 18 years of age and older since December 18, 2020. SpikeVax has the same formulation as the EUA Moderna COVID-19 vaccine and is administered as a primary series of two doses one month apart. SpikeVax can be used interchangeably with the EUA Moderna COVID-19 vaccine to provide the COVID-19 vaccination series. Yes, it can be used interchangeably to provide the series, but legally, if someone is forcing you to take it, You cannot force someone to take it because it's under emergency use authorization unless it is spike vax or Comernity, neither of which exists on the market at the time. And today's date for the record is February 2nd into February 3rd of 2022. The most commonly reported side effects by clinical trial participants were pain, redness, and swelling at the injection site fatigue, headache, muscle or joint pain, chills, nausea, vomiting, swollen lymph nodes, under the arm, and fever, basically the side effects of COVID-19. Here is the Biological License Application 125752-0 from the Food and Drug Administration. You may label your product with the proprietary name SpikeFax and market it in ten milliliter vials containing a maximum of eleven or fifteen doses per vial and packages of ten multiple dose vials. It goes on to say, and get this, post market requirements under section five oh five O. According to the FDA, they don't have the ability to analyze this. So they say. Based on appropriate scientific data, we have determined that you are required to conduct the following studies. That includes post-marketing safety of the SARS-CoV-2 mRNA-1273 vaccine in the United States. The FDA is saying, Moderna, you have to conduct these studies based on the law, and then you have to provide us with what you find. And Moderna and Pfizer, just like all the others, say, well, we have no proof that they hurt the fetus. We have no proof that they hurt a woman or a man. We have no proof, just some pain at the injection site. Why don't you have any proof? Why does the media say there's no evidence? Because they don't have the evidence. So they can clearly say there's no evidence. And that's an honest statement. They don't have the evidence. You see how it works? Here's the insert for spike Vax." And if you want a copy of all of this, I have it in order. I can email you a copy. Spikevax also has myocarditis listed, not necessarily as a side effect, but just as a direct effect of the vaccine. Once again, Section 5.2, post-marketing data demonstrate, not suggests, demonstrate increased risks of myocarditis and pericarditis, particularly within seven days following the second dose, the observed risk is higher among males under 40 years of age than among females and older males. The observed risk is highest in males 18 through 24 years of age. Virtually identical to the community vaccine, which isn't available. The adverse reactions are everything from arthralgia, or, or I think how you pronounce this, arthralgia, which is like swelling of the joints, to nausea, pain at the injection site, fatigue, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you're older, same thing, and it's all just the same side effects of COVID-19, but they have a special section for myocarditis and swelling of the heart and the heart muscles. According to Spike Vax's data, there's no evidence of harm to the fetus due to the vaccine. That's according to the data from Moderna. No vaccine-related fetal malformations or variations in the rodent studies and no adverse effect on postnatal development were observed in the study. There's a couple of ways you could break this down. No vaccine-related fetal malformations or variations and no adverse effect. But there could be other things and they don't list them. I'm not cherry-picking this. I'm simply saying the way that they word this is there's no fetal malformation. They mention nothing of the studies that show a woman becomes sterilized. They show nothing that the spike proteins literally attack the placenta. You see how it works? It doesn't attack the fetus. The fetus is fine. But it attacks the placenta, and without the placenta, you ain't got a fetus. That's how evil this is. That's how they word it. And that is the insert for the Moderna vaccine. If you want a copy of all of these, email me at rdgable at yahoo.com and I'll send you all the links. I'll also send you, I have a PDF of the literature review and meta-analysis of the effects of lockdowns of COVID-19 mortality. The conclusion is that they had no effect whatsoever and actually would have caused more harm if you were to study that, they would cause more harm than good. We also have, The Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research, CBR, plan to monitor vaccine side effects. These are slides that are excerpts from the FDA presentation that was leaked online. Monitoring CMS data for side effects in nearly real time to watch for the safety of the COVID-19 vaccines. Here's what the FDA said. Near real-time surveillance or rapid cycle analysis. FDA plans on monitoring 10 to 20 safety outcomes of interest to be determined based on pre-market review of sponsor safety data submitted to the FDA. FDA plans on using CMS data for COVID-19 vaccine RCA near real-time with efforts, and a bunch of other stuff that is kind of boring to read through, but you can read this if you want a copy of this. I can send it to you, too. It's also on uh, uh, the attorney's website, uh, Rince Law. He's got a copy of this there, too. This is the FDA with the CBER monitoring the following conditions, knowing that these were the conditions, and they knew this when vaccines were first distributed. Here are some of the real side effects. Stroke, anaphylaxis, Guillain-Barre syndrome, transverse mellitus, convulsions, seizures, acute myocardial infarction, myocarditis, autoimmune disease, death, pregnancy and birth outcomes, Oh, so they did know that there were pregnancy and birth issues. Moderna's like, no, 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 it attacks nothing. There's nothing in the body that's going to be hurt by this vaccine. The fetus will be fine. Well, what about the placenta? Because without the placenta, you ain't got a fetus. Kawasaki disease. Vaccine-enhanced disease. These are all things the FDA's tracking. With the CDC, and here's an example. Here's some of the the data from New York, New York Medicare. This is just people on New York Medicare. Within 28 days of vaccination, almost 7,000 people died in New York alone. This is patients who did not have serious conditions from January 1st, 2020, to the time of vaccination who developed the condition or died within 28 days of vaccine. These people were fine. They got a vaccine within a month. They were dead. Or they had Bell's palsy. Over 7,600 developed COVID-19 after they got the vaccine. This is just in New York for a small period of time. Death, almost 6,600 people died. And these are people that were already healthy, people that didn't have any issues. They get the vaccine, boom. Same thing in Missouri. Same thing in Ohio. In Ohio, you had almost five thousand people die in that, t- that same time frame. No serious life threatening conditions. They get the vaccine within a month, they're dead. Just between New York, let's we can add this up. New York six thousand five hundred eighty six. So let's let's just call that sixty five hundred. You've got two thousand three hundred in Missouri. It's actually a little bit more than that. So you've got 8,800 just between Missouri and New York dead because of the vaccines, just within a small period of time, no other conditions. 6,800, and then we can tack on another 5,000 from Ohio. So we're over 11,000 dead. Tack on about 700 more from Maine. California, now it's close to 8,500 people died, so we're up to 20-something thousand. Tack on another 6,500 from Texas, another 5,700 from Florida. You see where this is going real fast? Another 700 from Nevada, small state in terms of population density. Tack on another, well, 1,800 or so, 1814, uh, 1814 1814 from Kentucky. Uh, And you're looking at tens of thousands of people that have died of the vaccine in a small period of time that didn't have any other conditions. And this is officially from the federal government's data, not to mention Project Salas of the Department of Defense, where they're monitoring the vaccines and they're showing hundreds of percent increase in neurological issues, in pregnancy issues, in uh, 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 problems, um, d- again, directly related from the vaccine, where people are are dying and getting sick directly from the vaccine. And this is the Department of Defense monitoring this. We did a big show on this called The 100th Monkey Defect last week. and That show is in the archive as well. So here's all the data. This is all the information that you need to know to make an informed decision, to be consensual if you make that decision, to not be duped and to not be manipulated by behavioral psychology. And that's what we offer you here on The Secret Teachings. I want to thank you all for tuning in. No matter where you're listening in the world, If you enjoy this show, please subscribe to our archive to get the ad-free show, the montages, the digital books, etc. Please grab a copy of one of my books. You can give them away as gifts as well if you already have them. If you'd like to support the show and maybe help us to upgrade our equipment because of all these technical problems that we're having, I'm going to have to get a backup power supply too. You can donate to the show on the website at thesecretteachings.info www.thesecretteachings.info you can also check us out on Patreon and if you have any questions, comments, or concerns email me at rdgable at yahoo.com otherwise stay safe stay healthy, stay informed and we will talk to you on the next broadcast anything we talked about tonight let me know if you want a copy of it and I'll send it over to you the music White Bad Audio we'll talk to you on the next broadcast